Is there anything you would have done differently? We reported a true story. Our colleague Brian Williams is back in Kuwait City tonight after a close call on the skies over Iraq. Controversial Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and questions about Kavanaugh's drinking in the past. Sean Hannity, come on up, Sean Hannity. Today, Andrew Cuomo is having a moment. Hello! I'm Chris Steyerwalt. And I'm Eliana Johnson. Welcome to... Grinch stained wretches, <laughs> where we break down what's going wrong and what's going right with the American news media. Eliana Johnson, it is a Thursday before Christmas here in our nation's capital, and the zombie apocalypse energy in DC is strong. It's a rainy day, and I love DC. Everything canceled. I was I had the my man children and I this morning were watching the local news because. I, I guess I have low standards. No, I kid, I kid, I kid. But the number of cancellations today, I'm like, it's just raining. It's 40 degrees. What are you doing? And it was like, nope, canceled, telework, don't come in. So the city's ours. We're here at the American Enterprise Institute. We could go bowling on Massachusetts Avenue if we wanted to. I don't want to be out of doors <laughs> at all the rest of the day, so that probably won't happen. Although we did do a free beacon bowling outing on the 9th. What? So, yes, it was very fun. Where'd you go? Pinstripes. Oh, Pinstripe. For those of you in real America, mm-hmm. Pinstripes is a luxury, I would describe it as a luxury bowling experience in Georgetown. You can eat, drink, and bowl. High-end Italian cuisine, bowling alley. Italian? Oh, we had ribs. Really good ribs. I do like ribs. And they have it's a not bo- Italian. They have a bocce court. They do. We didn't do that. Maybe that's why I think it's Italian. I don't know. But that's pretty swank. Plus a Christmas party? Plus free, a Christmas party. Free, free but the bowling was, right. was staff only. Christmas right. party was for friends. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, anyhow. <laughs> Let's get to our enough front page. Of, enough of bragging enough, about your bowling. Enough about us. <laughs> Let's get to our front page. Because we have so much material to cover. Up first, Chris. Taylor Lorenz, I think, might be on the chopping block because, and I'm, I'm kidding, I have no direct knowledge of her personally. Let's start but, that energy, yeah. But, but we learned that the Washington Post is going to lay off under 10% of its staff. We did not get a precise number. And it was announced in like one of the clumsiest ways possible by not publisher Fred Ryan, who apparently did not inform the paper's executive editor, Sally Busby, before he made the announcement and then refused to take questions um, from staffers about the forthcoming Dil- layoffs. D- Dylan Byers at Puck described it as a brutally awkward town yeah. hall uh, in which Fred Ryan... He who- said, I'm not going to let this turn into a grievance session and walked out on them, which, of course, normally I think I'd be totally sympathetic to that line. But like when you tell people that you're going to lay off you know, a tenth of the company. People are understandably anxious. He's like, hey, Merry Christmas, because these are coming in the New Year's. Merry Christmas. You know, one in ten of you are going to lose your jobs. Truly, I do not understand. And Fred Ryan, with a lot of Judge Smales energy for Caddyshack enthusiasts, a lot of Judge Smales energy. Uh, Danny, I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. I didn't want to do it. I felt I owed it to them. I don't understand at all the logic of telling people that there are going to be layoffs after Christmas before Christmas, but then not telling the people. So everyone. It's horrible. This is just, it's, it is so inhumane to say, I don't, can you please, give me the, give me in the light most favorable to the defense here. What is the thinking? 
I don't know what the thinking is, but my sense is from talking to people, first of all, the Post's chief communications officer, I think who was highly thought of, this woman, Chris Karate, she went and is now running communications for CNN. That's all obviously going fabulously over there. Just kidding. But So they did lose somebody who had been doing communications for them. Second, my sense is that things are not going particularly well for the publisher, Fred Ryan, or for the executive editor, Sally Busby, and that those two do not like each other. I would not be surprised if neither of them had a long future at the Post. That's that's kind of the direction it seems like it's trending. It's like a publisher, obviously, with power, but who's not exercising it particularly effectively, and an executive editor without power who... It's like once once people know that you're not empowered, like that's kind of the the end. I know Jeff Bezos is a regular listener to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. And he basically does. Look, I'm not going to say. I'm not we'll going to get to his sugar- reader mail in a bit. I'm not. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He basically does whatever we say. Uh, so, <laughs> so Jeff, a Merry Christmas. First of all, thanks for the baskets. But make the Washington Post a great newspaper. You're so rich. The Washington Post could bleed money, and you would still. Be rich. So this is your moment. The post is in disarray. People are unhappy. Array it. Array it. Shovel it. Yeah, your 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 business model, the business model that you were sold on, which you could monetize hate for Trump and you could monetize this divide, is trashy and beneath a person who is one of the richest men in the world. Make it a great newspaper and proudly lose money on making it a great newspaper. Stop the insanity. Up next, Chris. Oh, but the question is, yeah. will this let them get rid of Taylor Lorenz? Do some good for this yeah, world. Yeah, if you're laying off, this yeah. this is one where you're like- Will let, will the layoffs be merit-based? Right. We will, we will report back to you yes. in January. The, the, let the rain falleth both on the unjust as well as the just. You oh. sent this, and I, to be honest, could not figure out what on earth this was, speaking of you're whipping not, the Washington Post into shape. You're not the only one. Okay, so everyone wants to do a Spotify wrapped- so Spotify, the music streaming service, which I find annoying. I like it. I'm an Apple Music. Uh, uh, no surprise, I'm an Apple Music guy. Nate, Nate Moore gives me. I just lost. I lost whatever remaining cool points I had. By the way, we should say that my man children are here as we record this. So there was a lot less profanity in the show prep. But and I lost. I, and I lost whatever other cool points I had with my youngest man child on that one. But Spotify does a year wrapped. So here's what you listen to. I got that. Since I am a Spotify person, not an Apple Music person. Did you call it Spotify? Spotify. Spotify. (laughs) You're so Um, cool you call it Spotify. Yeah. But I I could not figure out what this was. So the Washington Post, in that spirit, will give you something called your newsprint. And your newsprint allows you, it's it's like your thumb. And you can take a closer look at your newsprint. Here's what I read. I read the equivalent of a 1,051-page book in the Washington Post this year. My topics were politics, opinions, and lifestyle. My top, top sections were, oh, and I can, it tells you as you go through what else you should sign up for, and then it recommends other stories. I was in the top 50% of politics readers. I was in, hey, I was one of the most loyal readers. Of Wait, jo- I want to do this. Hold on, I'm clicking on of this. Of Josh Dawsey. I uh, am going to do this right now. Okay. And it tells me at the Take end that as a look. reader, I'm politically savvy and opinionated. I mean, come on. There you go. In my Chris, three, 390 stories. I have only read an 874-page book. What was yours? 1,031. Wow. Okay, you crushed me. How many topics? Let me go back and see. I got to go back. 
to my little grass shack. How many topics? 92 by 326 oh, 91. I edged her out, folks. I edged her out. Okay. My topics were one, politics, two, opinions, three, health. Which says a lot about the two of us because it is reflected in our BMIs. That, that Those findings are reflected in our BMIs because I'm reading Tom Sietzema and you're reading How to Stay Fit. I was one of, I was in the top 0.1% of readers of Tyler Pager, White House reporter. Look at you. Look Such at you. Such an achiever. It's, 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 it's a type Okay, a. I kind of like this. I, so I, I brought it up to, I, I originally busted on it. But I found it interesting. I I confess. As a reader, you're politically savvy and opinionated. Well, we're both politically savvy and opinionated. Look this at is us. Really funny. Just a couple of retros. Here. Uh, well, this is clever. Okay. okay, I like that. All right, less clever. So we'll link that so you all your readers can do it too. It's very funny. Less clever. What's less clever is that Sean Hannity, apparently according to the New York Times, was asked in uh, a deposition whether he knew the things that Sidney Powell was saying about. On his program. On Dominion, that he that he believed it, and he said, no. not that, No, he didn't just say no. He said, not for a second. Not for a second. So tell us why this is significant. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very careful here because I have been called as a witness we in this know. case. Well, I just dull disclosure <laughs> so people understand why I'm being cagey. But basically, if the lawsuit says that Fox knowingly put libelous things on the air, knowing the untruth of them, so it would have been a lot more helpful for the company if Hannity would have said, I absolutely was thought that it might be true and it might be it might be real. This is coming because this case is 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 reaching ahead and the battle in court this came out in court as the lawyers were fighting over basically how much of this is going to go public. By the way, as an aside here, how funny was it that after all of the struggle to get Donald Trump's tax returns, remember years of struggle to get Donald Trump's tax returns? Yeah. And they finally get the tax returns. And it was like, eh, okay. Like the 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 collective shrug at the like the New York Times. Do you remember how much effort the New York Times put into Donald Trump's tax returns? Like mind-numbing quantities of work. And they did end up with that fantastic piece about his father and tax avoidance, which was really good. But all the work the New York Times put in, then the House dumps out his tax returns, and it's like, yeah, pretty typical. Okay, never mind. Moving on. Anyway, disclosure of. What has been said in these depositions is it an issue because Dominion suing Fox is trying to ramp up the pressure because, of course, as this stuff goes public, the worse it is for Fox and also the delta between Fox corporate's interest and the interest of the executive core at Fox. So, bup, 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 bup. I, it's funny. I said to you, why wouldn't Hannity just say, I totally believed <laughs> all everything Sidney Powell was saying? Because that, that might be good for Fox, but it would be bad for Hannity because it would make Hannity look like an idiot. And Hannity does not want to look like an idiot. And I'll also give him the benefit of that it was true, that what he was saying, he was, he was answering honestly. Yeah. All right. Next, we have, it's not just us who do fashion criticism, Chris. We also have... Tucker Carlson in <laughs> entering into fashion criticism, which I have to say, should we play the clip? This was Tucker Carlson's response, or this is his analysis of the Zelensky speech before Congress That's on right. Wednesday evening. Let's play a clip. As far as we know, no one's ever addressed the United States Congress in a sweatshirt before, but they love him much more than they love you. Welcome to Tucker Carlson. Remember when Sam Bankman-Fried showed up in Washington wearing a T-shirt and spouting nonsense and all the self-described geniuses declared him a hero? 
the media, the Congress, the White House, they all love this weird little guy called Sam Bankman-Fried. Do you remember that? Somehow we were reminded of it today when the president of Ukraine arrived at the White House dressed like the manager of a strip club and started to demand money. Does not like the T-shirt. I have to say, I was watching this because we had a little free weekend holiday party. So I was watching this with no sound on. Okay. All, you know, Roger Ailes. Right. And, and Donald Trump, the way that they watch TV. And I had the same thought about the sweatshirt. I, of course. I had the same thought. I, of course, did not. I do not care for the sweatshirt. But. I noticed that what Zelensky has done with the sweatshirt is it's a tailored sweatshirt and it's got the Ukrainian logo or the seal on the crest right at the at the clavicle, right at the top of his clavicle. So I excused it as or somewhat excused it as a military kind of uniform because he's wearing it like he's in the military. And I understand why he was wearing it and all that stuff. I it would have for sure. But like the he's got the Fetterman problem, which is (laughs) yes. If when Vladimir Zelensky shows up in a suit, you're like, "Who's that? Who is that guy? Who's that doofus?" But in his in his signature sweatshirt, you're like, "Oh, that's Vladimir Zelensky." So I think we, we all still would have known it was him if he had addressed the Congress, you know, with all the chirons on television, et cetera, he, et cetera. He might look doofy in a suit. Known. And you know, when you ever when, seen guys put on a suit, they look like little boys. You ever seen that one? Especially if the suit is ill-fitting. It's a show of respect. And they look like they're dressed up for their first- Like Sam uh, Bankman-Fried also looks weird in a suit, but- Sam Bankman-Fried looks weird in everything. (laughs) There's not a non-weird outfit for Sam Bankman-Fried who looks like a schmoo with an afro. Okay, so should we get to Tucker's like- I'm in a too mean space. Should we get to Tucker's like opinion on- All the Fox, and I, I checked Laura Ingram's show and Sean Duffy- husband to Rachel Compost Duffy, Fox News star, who fills in for, was filling in for, what's her name? Ingram. And it was like white hot hatred of Vladimir Zelensky. And that was an hour later. And it was still, or later than, what time is she on? She's on at like 10. Mm -hmm. So by 10 o'clock, Rachel Compost Duffy's husband was on just like taking the wood to Vladimir Zelensky and how terrible it is. And I thought, this is... The, the the Republicans have a problem on Ukraine, which is Zelensky is broadly popular and supporting Ukraine is broadly popular in the American electorate. But for a Carlsonian slice of the Republican electorate, it is str- seriously unpopular, right? It is like, and it's unpopular for a lot of reasons. One, the corruption in Ukraine before favored Democrats, Hunter Biden, and the impeachment of Donald Trump. So that's like a, a... But I also think like, okay, that's specific to Ukraine, but this is also like a right... There's a... Yeah, this against is also a strain of thought. Yeah, oh, totally. That like is the Rand Paul view that predated Tucker, but he is their most prominent spokesman Absolutely. for this like rising, you know, Skepticism, isolationist view. Yeah, skepticism about foreign aid is a longstanding belief it's on not, the right. It's not just foreign aid, foreign aid, but like foreign intervention, well, American, American, you know... Like Proxy American Im- influence on the world stage. It took, people forget, it took decades for Hawks in the Cold War to basic. it took decades and Ronald Reagan to beat down, to get the a tough stance in the Cold War as a, a unified view among Republicans. So yes, there's that part, but then there's the particular animus that comes because there's, it's a sore spot, right? It's Zelensky's the guy that Trump extorted. It's, it's all that other stuff. So- that it's it was a lot. Okay. Oh, hit this next item. Just us. very quickly, 
Turning Point USA, which is Charlie Kirk's thing, young for young nationalists. And I just say, obviously, Rupert Murdoch listens to this with listens to our show with Jeff Bezos as they orbit Weekly the Earth. Get together, yeah, yeah, when they get together orbiting in a space station for billionaires. <laughs> so, Mr. Murdoch, I will tell you, if you want to not get sued or lose lawsuits for billions of dollars, don't let your high visibility, high value anchors participate in something called America Fest hosted by Charlie Kirk. And they've got Tucker Carlson, Greg Gutfeld, Laura Ingram, Kaylee McEnany, and maybe somebody else with a real horrible of horribles here. They've got the pillow guy. They've got the James O'Keefe. They've got, who else do they have? Eric Metaxas, Donald Trump Jr., Josh Hawley, Matt Gates. All of these people who are election, what do we call, what do they call them at CNN? Election deniers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got, but all of these people who say that the election was stolen. Candace Owens, Lordy Day. So, hey, don't let your people go on this kind of stuff. Control them and tell them that they can't go and don't televise it because you're just making it worse. There you go. Now you know what to do. And just send me whatever for Christmas. It's fine. <laughs> okay. We have, Chris, you flagged this and... I loved this article. This is like the Wall Street Journal at its very, very best. By the way, I want listeners to know that Chris Steyerwalt normally yells at me for kicking my chair because I'm antsy. And right now, his wonderful boys are here and he is yanking, he is disciplining one of them for swiveling no, his chair. There's no, I'm A not poor, striking anyone. How I'm old not, are you? How old are you? That's poor, 12. Yes. Energetic 12 year old from swiveling around in his chair. What a cretin. Just saying, just saying, the wretched standard for auditory excellence. For behavior of young men. And Colin Chicola, the Chicola effect is in Florida because the, the canoeing is too bad here this time of year. <laughs> so he's gone down to canoe in Florida. And, and the stout hearted Nate Moore is here doing the audio. So I don't want any additional challenges for Nate Moore from any excessive swiveling. <laughs> okay. So this is the Wall Street Journal at its best about how. Bob Iger, the former and now current CEO of Disney, overthrew Bob Chapek, who was the interim CEO. And it has such wonderful details. So we're going to link the piece, but these are the ones I pulled out. Mr. Iger, then still under contract as executive chairman, didn't move out of the office he kept at Disney's headquarters in Burbank, California. I mean, this all gets at... Chapek never had a chance. So Iger called strategy meetings with Mr. Chapek's underlings without inviting the new CEO. Mr. Chapek told friends that Mr. Iger's attitude seemed to be, they work for me, not for you. Mr. Iger, 71 years old, felt slighted that Mr. Chapek didn't lean on him for advice. He told confidants that Mr. Chapek, 63, was doing a terrible job and that he was incompetent. As Mr. Chapek struggled to find his footing, Mr. Iger hovered in the wings. Here in it a is, podcast the interview, this is the best. he said the Disney character he would most like to be was Thor, the Norse god who co- who is coaxed out of retirement to help the superheroes conquer the villain Thanos in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> I'm most like Thor. Don't say Bob Iger, don't say that. Don't say that. So... It also really showcases the egos of these people. Really, really great piece. And who doesn't leave? I mean, when you have somebody like Bob Iger, 
And have dude, the, who tries to stay? That's like what if I mean. this guy was yeah, exactly have the like decency to go. Like no, I, I thought of it the other way. Yes, of course, Iger, like go. But Shapek, like if the former CEO is calling meetings with your underlings and not inviting you, I'd be like, I'm leaving, guys. Right, bye. I can't do the job this way. Right, I can't do it this way. I it, guess they're paying you enough money to like, you know. Yeah, but you know, on. the thing is, there is such a thing as enough money, right? There is such a thing as like once you, I don't know what that, I, I don't even want to know what your number is. But I have a number in my head that if I had that much money, I would have blank you money, and you I wouldn't would be. You would be in the meeting with Bezos and Rupert, and I don't even need to be on the space station listening to <laughs> Ink Stained Wretches. I would there. It's a it's a way 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 below that number. And once I had that much money, because I I'm determined not to disadvantage my children by leaving them any money. So I, I feel like I can do it. I feel like I can get everything spent by the time I die, probably, and then some. But the once you have, I, I think of a guy, I guess it's the ego of saying that you can do it and the flex that if you're Chapek, you don't want to say, that you want to prove that you can do it. But like, come on, man. In consequential news for the news biz, potentially, there's a lot of buzz that the mouse will spin off ESPN and ABC. A Wells Fargo analyst has said that this is the best path forward, that this doesn't work for them. And let me tell you people, if ABC News and ESPN get spun off in, and they have a new owner, if you think what has gone on at CNN has been dramatic, it's going to be serious because ESPN is a terrible disaster. ESPN is an all-day-long stinkathon. It's indulgent. It doesn't. It does politics when it should do sports. The shows are dumb. It's just. I mean, their game coverage is fine, but woof. And ABC News, they've got the number one evening news show, right? Is that still true, probably? What's his name with the super thin lapels? David Muir. David David Muir, Muir. who can who can cut glass with the with his tiny sharp lapels and skin tight suits. But that's a there's no fat to cut on there's no fat to cut on David Muir. But if some corporate dudes got a hold of the ABC News budget right now, if they think what happened when Disney took over, and it's been a while, I forget how long ago Disney bought ABC, but the slashing and burning would be profound. Probably. Oh. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a reason that you had to do all the talking about ESPN, because of course I have no idea. It's it's bad. All right, hit us with this next one, speaking of ABC News. Oh, I was totally fascinated by this, and a alert wretches fan flagged this for us. I, d- I will not identify uh, so that you will not be, you will not be held accountable uh, if the space station zaps us with lasers. But this is a great story that David Folkenflik did for NPR, and I do love the work that David Folkenflik does. But it is the story of a television news producer, producer Kristen Henschel, in Stewart, Florida, 2018. She, so she was doing exactly what a journalist should do. She confronted a politician with unwelcome questions, microphone, and ABC News business card in hand. She rushed up to a candidate for the Florida House of Representatives before debate and asked him about 20 dead about 20 dead gopher tortoises. Needed a hyphen there. <laughs> or no, I guess it would be hyphen dead gopher that were reportedly found in a nearby construction site. Florida designates the species as threatened. As far as a candidate, Toby Overdorf, all-name team, knew there were no dead tortoises. That wasn't the only surprise. 
Though Henschel has done freelance work for ABC, she was not there for the network. At the time, political consulting firm called Matrix LLC had paid Henschel at least $7,000 for companies labeling payments for Florida Crystals FPL, a huge sugarcane conglomerate, and FPL is shorthand for the giant utility Florida Power and Light. So this this gal was using her ABC News status as a freelance producer to harass political candidates that the clients of this firm did not like. And I would just say it should be a Dave Barry book. It's it's Florida Florida politics delivering Florida politics. What do we have next? Oh, I was going to say I should I should think about this. How can I how can I leverage my <laughs> exactly. position as editor? What do you know about what do you know about gopher vegan? tortoises? Yeah. Um, oh, you loved this. You had so many good ones this week, Chris. Well, this I'm I'm of two minds about this. It's by her name is Christina Catarucci, and she is a reporter for Slate and headline. I think I found Kristen Cinema's side hustle. Now, there is a person who seems to maybe possibly be Arizona independent, but caucuses with the Democrat Senator Kristen Sinema, who recently declared that she was not a Democrat anymore, even if she would still caucus with them. And this was not popular with people who already hated Kristen Sinema, who it seems like, I'm sorry to say, Ms. Catarucci, that Ms. Catarucci is one of these people, because this is a very long, very excruciatingly reported uh hit piece, I don't know, deep dive on whether or not Kristen Cinema sells her used Iron Man gear <laughs> and some fashionista shoes on Facebook Marketplace. I didn't even know that was a thing, so. Oh, it's huge. It's it's like one of Facebook's only real like it's very successful because it's it's verified. It's they're they're selling their ability what Facebook is able to do like what eBay does, like this is this person and they'll have to honor it. So the reporter cannot, who obviously has a very terrible relationship already with Kristen Cinema's office, uh, is Taylor Lorenzian in her astonishment that the staff did not say, oh, let us cooperate with this story about used bicycle wheels that you were doing. <laughs> it sounds like a fun piece. And she shows all of her notes. And by the way, one of my pet peeves, as you know, is readers don't care how hard it was for you to get the information. They only care if the information is relevant or worthwhile. Stop showing your notes. But anyway, so after all of this, so here is the kicker. Quote, the morning I was to pick up my heels. She, sure. bought, she bought some heels from, quote, unquote, Kirsten Cinema. Yes. Facebook Cinema changed the plan. Same neighborhood. <laughs> Different address. Quote, Christina. The heels are ready for pickup, she wrote, and I wondered for the first time if she had thought to Google my name. I've written several critical pieces about Senator Cinema's fashion and politics, so part of me was grateful that I wasn't A-list enough to rouse Facebook Cinema's suspicions. Rebecca Traster could never, exclamation point. The other part of me was deeply offended and ready to drown my sorrows in a like-new pair of stilettos. So this, I, I hate it. I love it. It's interesting. It's weird to get somebody, see somebody's obsession, but you didn't have the story, but you didn't have the story. And here's the thing. What the story should have been was a bright. Here's a person named Kristen cinema on Facebook. Is it her? Is it not her? But instead she lards it down. She freights it with all of her feelings 
and all of her stuff about Kristen Cinema and takes what could have been an interesting story like does a United States Senate it seems like a US senator is selling her stuff and by the way hey New York Times Politico Washington Post the survivors why don't you do a bright story on not, when I say bright doesn't mean it has to be positive it's just a it's a silly story it's not an important story up next Chris I don't know if you've been using the terms American or brown bag lunch <laughs> but if you have what else here immigrant immigrant is bad unacceptable white paper bad right so these are all terms blind that, study yeah. <laughs> walk a uh, stand-up meeting all terms on a list published by Stanford Hispanic. University's IT department free beacon also wrote about this that you know, an index of forbidden words that the IT department said needed to be scrubbed from Stanford University websites and from computer code, and they have suggested replacements for all these words. So if you want to say American, you should actually, that needs to be replaced with U.S. citizen. Immigrant should be person who has immigrated. You cannot say master because historically masters enslaved people. Blind study unintentionally perpetuates uh, that disability is somehow abnormal yeah, or negative ableist. and furthers an ableist culture. Anyhow. Oh, oh, oh. What? I keep finding new ones. Gangbusters is banned. Now, we're we're here to praise. The journalistic <laughs> pretext for talking about this is we're here to praise. Yet again this week, a Wall Street Journal editorial that just, and again, it is in its restraint that it is awesome. This is the Steyerwaltian praise, which is it's like nine paragraphs long, eight or nine paragraphs long. It's succinct. It's tight. It's a clean hit. And then they walk on instead of rolling around in it and like a dog and a dead deer. Quote, gangbusters is banned because the index says it, quote, invokes the notion of police action against, quote, gangs, close quote, in a positive light, which may have racial undertones. Not to beat a dead horse, quote, parens, a phrase that the index says, quote, normalizes violence against animals. Oh, uh, but you used to have to get a graduate degree in the humanities to write something that stupid. Bing, pow. So I, I, I feel like maybe Jason Riley wrote this because it's so well written. But whoever wrote this piece for the for the journal, ten thousand high fiving, ten thousand angels. And it didn't take long, but Stanford had to come out and say that they actually don't endorse this, and they took it back, and it's totally fine to say American. So the university has now issued a statement about all of this. But it was it was the Stanford University IT department's Christmas present to all of the right-wing media and every radio host across the country, every podcast host that was looking for something to wrap up the year for an episode to wrap up the year. You could write a, you could write a white paper on it. Okay. Now, you know what that means. That means that it's time for all of these, our, our closing stories – all could have been favorite items. That's how many favorite, no Grinches here, how many favorite items we had. But you take this one. Well, I think we're hitting our style section. Is this it? Yeah. I feel I feel more stylish. Yes. I'm, I'm wearing plaid pants. <laughs> you are. I am. They're festive. 10 out of 10 with a red bow tie. 10 and out some, of 10. Like galosh type. Duck, they're duck boots. <laughs> duck they're boots. Duck boots. Please. <laughs> okay. So. The New York Times, what's the right way to say it, elicited backlash <laughs> after putting in, publishing a crossword puzzle that resembled a swastika, and it actually really did. 
I don't fault them for this at all, but people are so eager to be offended. But when you look at the crossword, which will link, it actually really does look I like mean, I, I would say there's no way for me to know how I would have seen it not having been primed by thinking about it. And I I'm, mean, it's I'm perfect. looking at it right now, but it is, there is. It's swastika-ish. There's a reason that the Aryan peoples of Central Asia liked the pattern and why it shows up in Greece and shows up everywhere because it's very you can see you can see how an unwitting crossword designer yeah. because of the symmetry of it. And then finally this is our real style section item this wonderful New York Times piece headline Welcome to the Menopause Gold Rush and the accompanying photograph is a Wait for it. picture of a nude Gwyneth Paltrow painted in gold, and her body looks like that of about a 19-year-old. Yes. Not at all a menopause type. In not no a droop, way. Not a sag, not a crepe or wrinkle Here, or cellulite. Here's the, here's the cut line. For a 50th birthday photo, Gwyneth Paltrow covered the sun's, quote, celestial fingerprints with piles and piles of gold powder. Goop, her wellness company, is jockeying for its share of the menopause market. So it's about businesses entering into this space, and the Times writes, When Ms. Jackson first started looking into the menopause landscape, she said she was shocked on how little information and support was available for this huge category of human beings. I live in Silicon Valley, she said, and there are all these male billionaires figuring out how to live forever. It's like, are you kidding me? Every woman who goes through menopause says it's like she's the first person on earth who has ever done it because no one knows how to help. If men went through menopause... Dot, dot, dot. Her voice trailed off. So well, everyone's well, flooding the zone. The, I'm not sure about word choice there, but I will just say this. This is the kind of piece where the, the author, who wrote this? I'm sorry. Amy LaRocca. Amy LaRocca, kudos to you because you wrote smartly about it, but at the same time, you're doing the same thing that we're doing, which is mocking this so it, it, it's it's it, it's an interesting read i guess i i guess i recommend it though this this cut line in this photograph made me want to it made me wish there was traffic on massachusetts avenue so i could jump in front of a bus it is ridiculous from left naomi watts katie couric tasman fadal alisa volkman and natalie nixon at a <laughs> menopause symposium in october now i'm not saying that the issue of menopause has not been that there has not been shame associated. I, I don't. I don't discount all of that, but I cannot imagine that symposia with Katie Couric are the response that we. To, that maybe it is, but I feel that symposia are are almost never the answer to anything. Chris, that brings us to our obsessions of the week. Yeah. These were the stories that we could not get out of our heads, and I'm going to go on a rant. I want it. Okay. I'm here for it. Okay. I've got my coffee. Okay. I'm sitting back. I'm going to go on a rant. I was thinking about how it was this small news site called Coindesk that broke the entire FTX scandal. And I, for one, had never heard of Coindesk, but they were aggressively covering FTX and brought them down and brought down Sam Bankman-Fried. And it got me really exercised and I started looking into, well, like what was the mainstream media doing? And well, this scrappy little outlet was actually covering the going-ons and getting the balance sheet of 
um, FTX and Alameda Research, the hedge fund. The Economist, July 5th, was writing, was SBF, the Pierpont Morgan of crypto. The 30-year-old, the Wall Street Journal introduced us in August to the 30-year-old spending $1 billion to save crypto. And before that, in April, Bloomberg was writing, asking whether he was the crypto, oh, telling us he was the crypto billionaire who made $20 billion just to give it all away. So the major financial publications, like better resourced, presumably you would think like more experienced reporters, this is the kind of crap that they were churning out. And beyond that, like they contributed to the hype around him and turned him into a draw for the paid events that they do, which is the seedy underbelly of the media business. So SPF was a featured guest at the Wall Street Journal's Tech Live Summit two weeks before the implosion of his company. Andrew Ross Sorkin. I'm going to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So how much does it cost to get into Tech Live? Well, for a $2,499 Laguna Pass, you can experience... One shared moment with tech's most exclusive names and, quote, lunch roundtables with investors and entrepreneurs who have been there and done that. He also headlined Bloomberg's Crypto Summer in July, where where tickets cost $1,200. And even after, so he was scheduled before all this to headline the Dealbook Summit and then showed up after, which, like, that's actually an interesting interview. But the tickets there, too, cost $2,499. $2,499. So they were making money off this guy by through their BS bad journalism. And I just think it's like it tells a really sad story about the state of the news industry. And it was a this small site that nobody really had heard of. The the that brought that that uncovered, you know, what prosecutors are calling one of the biggest financial frauds in American history. Do you know why the adults did not see that the emperor had no clothes? Because they were invested in exactly. the success of the emperor, and these people, that I've I've made this complaint before, but I remember, oh, I don't know, fifteen years ago, or so, when the Post tried to start doing these salons mm-hmm. where they would sell access to these people, and I thought this is such crazily bad journalism, and they were they were shamed for it. But everyone's doing it, and now everyone does it. And now it's just normal. You cannot cover the people who you profit by. You cannot cover the people who you profit by. And you cannot cover them fairly because you will either, well, you, you finish yours and then I'll obsess. I'm, I'm done. Well, it leads perfectly into my obsession. Because I do not make a habit of try, of hyping my own pieces here. But this week I'm making an exception because the... Uh, for my column for the dispatch on Monday is life is too short for hating Harry and Meghan. And I was not, I did not want to write about Harry Windsor and Meghan Markle, but I wanted to talk about hate journalism for profit. And this is the, this is the obverse of the Sam Bankman freed fawning journal where it's so who cares is the correct response to the second son of King Charles the third and King Charles the third's daughter-in-law who are not anywhere near the line of succession for the throne. They're not important people at all, except for being famous. And I understand why they annoy people. And I also give Brits a certain, like, room on this. It's their monarchy. They can complain about whatever they want, I guess. It's their country. And it's probably not pleasant for Piers more. well, Piers more. 
nothing is pleasant for Piers Morgan, who is, you know, an anchovy. But the I'll give Brits a pass mostly on this stuff. But for Americans, it's bad enough to obsess over celebrities, right? I find celebrity culture gross. Why are you obsessed? Why? Who wants to write about famous strangers who do nothing but be famous, right? I don't understand that impulse. But I even less understand. Have I ever told you my joke about the two guys at the construction site at lunchtime? No. It's one of my dad's favorites. Two guys sit, sit down to have lunch, and they open their lunch pails, and the one guy goes, tuna fish again? And his friend goes, why don't you tell your wife to quit packing your tuna fish sandwiches if you don't want tuna fish? And he goes, hey, I pack my own lunch, buddy. <laughs> and if you're, if you're spending time hating someone, you're packing your own lunch, right? You chose. You have to go find it. Chris, this is like really hitting close to home. <laughs> Yikes. You have to go find it. You have to go look for it. You have to go find it. You have to read it. You have to look at it. You have to hate it. And it's it's bad enough. Celebrity journalism is bad enough. But anti-celebrity journalism, not anti-celebrity, but anti-the celebrities themselves journalism is even worse. Because what you're doing is pouring more vitriol and more hate into the open sewer that is our culture. And you're doing it for profit. And it's gross. And I just, you know, the my year, you know, this is our second to last week, and people should definitely tune in next week for a very special edition. But I would just encourage people, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how we can be better consumers of news. And you have made me, Eliana, a much better consumer of news. So I'm very grateful to you for that. But the we have to we have to remember that when you go for the click, when you go for the hate read, you are supporting a kind of journalism that is really harmful, that is really bad for the country. So take a breath and remember that you pack your own lunch and don't read it. Probably still going to go for the hate read, but... Tuna but, again? Yeah. <laughs> that brings us to my, speaking of not hate, my favorite time of the week, which is reader mail. And up first, we have a letter from A.J. Kaufman in Ohio, who says, Chris and Eliana, I listened with amusement to the opening of your Friday show about the New York Times union wage debate. For the past few years, I have written for several local and regional newspapers and magazines across four states. Of course, they are continuously cutting back staff and certainly not offering raises. That's why we all branch out and write on any topic anywhere possible. It surely is unsurprising that the New York Times staff is insular, spoiled, and clueless to real-life situations. Word. Say word. Up next, we have a letter from Shlomo Engelson of Chicago, Illinois. Is this our first Shlomo Engelson? I think it is, yeah. Okay. Who says, Dear Chris and Eliana, first off, thank you both for an entertaining and informative podcast. I've learned so much from both of you. Among these are what I have gleaned about menswear from Chris's occasional sartorial rants. I particularly resonated with his recent lamentation of how hard it is to find a good hat for a size 8 head, and specifically... How a Homburg, that serious hat, would just look clownish on such a head. Well, as it happens, I too have a size 8 head, and I am just 5, 7 and a half. Whoa! And had long wanted a Homburg, but had given up on finding one that fit. A few years ago, my loving and intrepid wife started investigating and found that one hat shop in North America that carried Homburgs in my size. Oh, she 
she found the one hat shop wow. in North America. Wow. Okay. The lovely haberdasher in Atlanta, we are in Chicago, that she spoke to said that he had a size 8 Homburg, but there was no way my head could possibly be that large, <laughs> so he would send the next size down and pay for return shipping if it didn't fit. It arrived, and we sent him a photograph of the still large hat looking like a clown hat on my head, and then he did indeed send the size 8. As you can see in the attached photo, it fits and not like a clown hat. So you see that it can indeed be done. All the praise to my wife. And we got this amazing picture, and he looks great. He looks very dapper. Yeah. I'm here for it, and I am. He's got bow tie and Homburg. Shlomo, send me, send the wretch's email address, the name of the hat merchant there in Atlanta, and I am going to get in the. I'm going to get in the Hamburg game, and then Eliana can give the everybody a review of how my giant dome looks with the Hamburg on it. Okay, my daughter actually has a really big head. Apparently, well, nobody's going to beat Shlomo for for proportion. No, no. That is a that is the dome game. It will not be defeated. And that brings us, Chris, to your favorite time of the week. <laughs> which is when I am forced to say something nice. These are our favorite items. Chris, you got to lead by example. Okay, man with World War II explosive lodged in his rectum sparks bomb share, bomb scare, comma, hospital evacuation. I would tell you that I'm too good for this kind of humor, but I am not. It was tremendous, and I, the original, head, it's from France, and the original headline was, and I, I my French is not good, but this is the translation, that I could come up with checking my work in the dictionary. A grandpa comes to the emergency room with a shell in the anus in Toulon, the hospital partially evacuated. And I just want to say to you at the New York Post and you in regional French journalism, thank you. I mean, whoa. Mine is much more tasteful. Everything is more tasteful than that. Yes. Mine is downstream of the Sam... Bankman freed of my obsession, and I am glad to see the mainstream media now getting into the game of actually covering these people, but it's this wonderful New York Times magazine profile. I just want to get the author by, do, 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 by David Friedlander, and we'll link it, of course, about this left-wing pollster who ran this. Data for Progress. It's so good. Wh- and basically ended up being Sam Brankman frieds political advisor and pollster. He was forced to resign from the organization over accusations that he pressured employees to make straw donations. One example was that there was an employee who was making $130,000 and giving, you know, $30,000 in political donations. And in, and in hindsight, it is clear that McElwee's fall at the scammy data for, uh, progress. data for progress was the ripple ahead of the Sam Bankman Freed tsunami, right? Because when it happened, it was like, that's weird. Why is this going down like this? But that was the first tremor ahead of that explosion. So really interesting and really well done piece. It was good. And I, and I also think, you know, it does go to show that like attracts like, like these BS artists attract all around them other BS artists and water seeks its own level. They'll never get in the space station like that. Yeah, water They'll seeks its own level. never get in the space station like that. You'd do well, by the way, as a Earth-orbiting billionaire. You, I'm, I'm for you. I, I you'd I use hope, your power justly. You'd use your power. Oh, justly. I definitely wouldn't use it justly. <laughs> no way. 
can I, I would say, be vindictive and can I say before you sign off how grateful I am for having gotten to work with you this year and how grateful I am to all of our listeners and I really love the weird, deeply weird community that has sprung up around Stained Wretches. I love all the L Wretches out there and it comes from We my are so so grateful. Genuine affection yes. for you and the pleasure in working with you. Same, same. So this is our last live episode of twenty twenty two. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year to and, all but of our next listeners. week. Do tune in. Yes, we do have an episode. Big next special week episode. That we already recorded. Enjoy. It's going to be. People are saying it's one of the best. That is all the time we have left for the news about the news. If you have a story that you want us to talk about, please email us at wretches at nebulouspodcasts.com. This has been Ink Stained Wretches from Nebulous Media. Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for wretches. Thank you.